Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is a fascinating topic, guys. Thanks for picking this. Welcome to Pint of Football, where much like a non-league player in pre-season, we might not be bothering anymore in a few weeks' time. My <laughs> name is Daz, lacks match sharpness Napton, and with me, as always, it's Tom, minutes under the belt, Meadowcroft. <laughs> I'm glad I made you do it this time. Yeah, it's pressure. My heart's pumping a bit. Uh, especially because we are joined today by a special guest as seasoned veteran Andy Baxter jumps in. Hi, guys. And unfortunately for us, Tom, this does mean that our only regular listener might not actually bother listening to this because <laughs> he's in it. So we may well have shot Damn. ourselves in the foot by inviting him on, to be honest. My children will get hungry this week. <laughs> yeah. But before we start, Baxter, give us, uh, give us a bit about yourself. Sure. Well, um, I was born and raised an Everton fan. I'm from that part of the world. Um, being from Liverpool, you know, uh, you have to support Everton. Liverpool fans are from Norway and Ireland and Somerset. Um, moved to Bristol 10 years ago and I couldn't support a team in red, so I went to start watching Rovers. Top man. And uh, Tom, as a fellow Rovers man, is obviously delighted to be now two-thirds of the support base rather than just half on the pod, which must be quite nice. It's usually mm. quite... Um, we usually try and stick away from talking about Rovers as much as we can. But after the amazing draw at Melksham last week, I guess you guys want a high. <laughs> <laughs> what we're actually here to do is for the latest episode of In The Mix, because uh, Tom and I have been enjoying trawling through every country in the world, trying to find a funny story from everywhere. We've decided to uh, go for a new flavour today, which is why we've got Baxter involved, who's been a football fan since, well, not since when we're going to start talking about, but for a long enough time. And what we're trying to do, gents, is we're trying to sort out the big question. When did football peak? But we're not going to 
trawl through Wikipedia and the history books and go, 1966, England won the World Cup. Yeah, great, whatever. What we're going to do is we're going to look through football's strangest matches, starting in 1888. So I'm going to be rattling off these stories and inviting comments about whether you think that is the moment football peaked. Okay. We're probably going to have to do it in segments. Settle settle in, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So this is a a five-hour episode. No, it's not. Let's go get a palm. Yeah. What we're going to do, before we start, actually, I just want to ask a very quick overview from first Tom. When, in your opinion, would you say football did peak? Unless it hasn't yet. Maybe it will next Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I mean... For me, as a relatively new person to football, football peaked in 2016 when Bristol Rovers got a double promotion. Um, I certainly don't think Rovers will ever be that good again. And since that time, I've grown more and more disillusioned. Um, But I don't know. I don't know much about the past. I know a lot of people get really misty-eyed about the 90s and stuff. So I don't know. Hopefully this will be educational for me. That was it. After that second promotion, there was a sense that it was only going to be downhill from there, and such it's proved. Um, so there is an argument to sort of stop at that point and think, right, this is it. We've had our fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe, yeah, maybe on that day of 2016, maybe you should have just stopped following football and ended on a high. Yeah, I mean, in the benefit of hindsight, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> Uh, go on then, Baxter. When do you think football might have peaked before we dig well, into this? Without meaning to let the listeners behind the curtain, you did give me a heads up on a sort of general um, outline of, the, of the, the topic and the episode, and I instantly forgot everything that's ever happened in football ever. <laughs> um, so that took a bit of time. Um, the first thing, bizarrely, that came to mind was when Delia Smith got on the microphone <laughs> drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i'm gonna have to watch that uh, after the episode because that was just <laughs> both incredible and bizarre at the same time and i imagine norwich fans look back on that with um a great deal of fondness yeah i would have been so confused if that had happened to rovers i, I wouldn't <laughs> have been able to accept it as real another I acid guess- flashback I guess, yeah, it's like standout moments like that. Like for me, I, I, I think what you just said, Tom, about getting misty-eyed over the 90s. For me, growing up in the mid-90s, I didn't particularly care as much about it when I was growing up as when I got to sort of teenage years. But I think, yeah, the sort of turn of the millennium was, was quite a good time. I used to, even though the so-called England golden generation never lived up to what the current true golden generation is doing now, I still really yeah. enjoyed that sort of time with that squad of players and weirdness of having Sven as the manager and the 2002 yeah. World Cup where you used to like skive off primary school to watch the nil-nil against Nigeria. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was that was good. That's not yeah. really been topped in some ways. So yeah, was it that tournament when they there was all the um, controversy about taking Walcott and then didn't bring him off the bench? Was that no, that I... tournament? That was after that. That was, I think, South Africa. Yeah. I think that was like 2010, maybe, or it might have been the one. Uh, that. It was a bit after, but yeah. I don't, that was Sven, wasn't it? I don't know. Maybe not. 
But yeah, so we think it might have been Delia. It might have been the nil-nil draw with Nigeria in 2002, or it might have been Walcott at some point going to the World Cup. Some very, well, very strong suggestions uh, in the beginning. There's a reason they call it the beautiful game. <laughs> right. So we're going to start off with the first story. Let me take you back to December 1888 in London. And I'm about to tell you the story of the crossbar protest. Ooh. We begin. This was the year that Crew Alexandra reached an FA Cup semi-final. So on to a strong start. <laughs> Along the way, they played a strange match with the Swifts in Kensington. Now, already, I'm really glad from the second sentence in that Kensington Swifts don't exist anymore because they sound like a horrible team. <laughs> All right, we're the Kensington Swifts. We yeah. got more kneecaps than you've had at dinners. <laughs> so, crew progressed to the fourth round, which weirdly was called the last 23. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it just, it just seems mathematically wrong. I mean, I know there was different <laughs> rules. I know there was different rules back then, but I don't remember prime numbers ever being a feature of the FA Cup system. <laughs> so anyway, crew had progressed to the fourth round. They had a bye in the third round, as would nine clubs in the fourth. Well, I'm not surprised if these are the numbers they're playing with, the last 23. But anyway, crew and the Swifts drew their fourth round tie to all at crew and they replayed on the new Queen's ground in West Kensington. The Swifts won 3-2, but crew protested that the crossbars were at different heights. Oof. Can you, okay. can you even, Baxter, can you even begin? You've, you've played in goal, haven't you? Sort of in your, yeah, yeah. You I mean, what, going into the second each other? half and doing the bit where you jump up and swing on the crossbar, and in the first <laughs> half, you've reached it comfortably, and in the second half, you can't quite... <laughs> it you in the head. <laughs> you see, it might, it might say more about my the way my mind works, but I was envisaging, envisioning a sloped crossbar rather than, than being at different heights at different ends of the pitch. <laughs> oh. so you could hit one into the top corner to the left, but not to the right, you know? Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Different yeah. heights, yeah, between the... To itself, yeah. <laughs> The triangular crossbar was ruled out in uh, 1890, of course. Okay, well... It might be an urban legend, but I swear someone told me that in the very early days of the game, there was no crossbar. And there was this kind of like a gentleman's agreement, whether it was low enough or not. So, yeah, I, I think that is true, actually. And I'm not sure if by this point, uh, obviously, the crossbar had been invented. Crossbar had been standardised by this time. <laughs> well, that's it. Maybe it wasn't a standard thing, but I think probably in FA Cup matches they had like the <laughs> generic. These are the actual rules, and then regionalised. It was just like, well, now nah, we don't need a crossbar. I really enjoy like uh, early day, really early days of football where this kind of obvious stuff wasn't in place. So let me go on to uh, tell you what the crew in Nantwich Chronicle had to say about the matter. The height of the goalposts formed the basis of an appeal against the result. A measurement revealed that they were within a few inches of the specified height. So actually, what happened was both sets of goalposts were even, but they just weren't to the 
standard height. This is a fascinating topic, Daz. Thanks for picking this. Well, it's, it's it, seems, very... it seems a bit vague. They were within a few inches of the spe- of the of the, <laughs> the specifications. They weren't at the specifications. Exactly, but Every. but no, the appeal was upheld. The teams had to do another replay at a neutral ground, and Crew managed to beat the Swifts two one at Derby. After the controversy, the FA passed a rule that protests about the ground markings and goalposts must be made before kickoff and not after the game. That's sensible, I suppose. It did recently. <laughs> it did recently happen. Don't you remember um, Mourinho at a European match? turned up and said the goals were the wrong size. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Yeah, this, if it was this, anyone, this, it'd be him, wouldn't it? This seems like the kind of thing that someone who already expects defeat would say. You know, if things go badly, just claim that the goalposts were oval or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do hear it... people, people moaning about the grass being too long or too short. And, you know, I imagine... This is along that same kind of lines, isn't it? It's the same for both teams. It's just sort of get on with it. It's, it's fine appealing when you get beat, but you know, if they'd have won, you wouldn't have heard anything. Yeah. Because like everyone knows um Cambridge United did that on purpose when they were up in the sort of top leagues. They kept the grass long in the corners uh, on purpose, so they just lump it up there. Just completely bypassed the whole midfield. In my opinion, having played in probably the worst and most horrible flooded pitches of East Yorkshire on the middle of the cliffs, I would say home advantage. If that's what you're choosing to do, if you want to have, if you don't want to have your goals, just put a couple of jumpers down. Wherever the home team, that's what we're doing. Have a bit of that. That's I think like measure, if if someone's gone and measured uh, the goals and it's like inches or millimetres apart, then that's in the same kind of territory as VAR. You might technically be correct, but what the hell are you doing? Yeah, the worst kind of correct, isn't it? I, I was kind of hoping in December 1888, we wouldn't already be making comparisons to VAR, Tom, but... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me conclude then how the story ended. Crew went on to beat Derby in the fifth round and Middlesbrough in the sixth. Their semi-final opponents were Preston, who were then invincible. The game was played in Liverpool with, I quote, a lake in the middle of the ground. Um, I'm not sure if that was um, a a feature or maybe part of the weather forecast of the day. I'm not sure. But either way, crew lost 4-0 and made a complaint about the state of the ground. Which was not... fucking lake, lad. We, that one was not upheld. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that is the the crossbar protest. Do we think by this point football has peaked? Um, no, I think that was a that was a really boring story. <laughs> <laughs> Tame beginnings. Well, don't worry because we've got such classics like the one man team, the four minute game, and. Ooh the trusted goalkeeper yet to come. I was hoping for cigarette breaks, brandy all round, you know, all kinds of we can go been, There wouldn't have been um, cigarette breaks, like the players would have had one on during the game. Ah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, look, looking into the into the lake that was in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> the, 
the days when whiskey bottles were replaced by water bottles in the goalkeeper's net. <laughs> they were the real sad days. So back to you in agreement that we haven't peaked yet. I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's not what they call a page turner so far, is it? <laughs> There's about 200 stories to go, so let's see how let's see how much better they get. Right, we're going to go with the mystery game in Sheffield, August 1889. So we're a good half a year on now from uh, the crossbar protest. Several local football dignitaries decided to form football section of the Sheffield United Cricket Club. So far, so good. <laughs> Bramall Lane was big enough to take cricket and football. At first, it was a club without players. Right, well, this is the point where I start to question it. Basically, they've just found a big field in a city that already has loads of football teams. It's where football began. And they've gone, well, why don't we make another football team? They haven't got any players. Brilliant! They've just obviously gone, oh, this cricket pitch is big. Why don't we make it into another football ground? Why don't they just go over to Harlem or play at Chef Wednesday or something? I don't know, Daz. Why does anyone start a football team? Why did we want to start Shelton Dynamo when we were in Stoke? Well, yeah, to be fair. Just because it was a cool name. All we had was a cool name. Maybe we want to start a football club. Were you going for like a field of dreams kind of thing (laughs) if they build it? Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. If you build it, they will come. But yeah, I mean, going back to the name thing, Tom, I mean, Sheffield Mm -hmm. United Cricket Club doesn't necessarily shriek amazing football team name, does it? No. It's not exactly Kakamega Homeboys or anything. All right, don't, don't, don't start with our names again. Yeah, anyway... Advertisements in the local newspaper weren't especially successful. Only three players were acquired. Um, what? And... <laughs> well, you said they had no players. Were they just going to have three players? They, they signed up three from an advertisement. And because of this, the first sign suggested the club wouldn't be accepted very easily. <laughs> Chef Wednesday were already established. Another Chef one formation. <laughs> <laughs> Other, other Sheffield clubs were looking at the newly formed Sheffield United very suspiciously. They still are, I think. Mm. Um, so the new club tactfully recruited outside of Sheffield where they brought players in from Scotland, um, as, as was often the case back then. By the end of the summer, Sheffield United had a team of assorted players, the best of whom turned out to be Howlett's a bespectacled goalkeeper from Gainsborough. Oh, nice, nice. Don't no. mock bespectacled goalkeepers. I shall not. I also like the idea of that board meeting they had. Like, we've all seen footballers, but where are they? <laughs> Scotland. I Just go there with a big net and get me nine footballers. <laughs> Anyone on the bus. But they ended up with a team anyway. But what happened is the club gathered all the new players at a mystery location and sneaked away without telling anyone where they were going. Mm. The mystery. This, this is starting to sound an awful lot like a kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> no, officer, it was a football game. <laughs> One Sheffield reporter who claimed to be the Sherlock Holmes of reporting he was also accompanied by Sheffield Wednesday's captain, Ted Brayshaw, who followed them. So you've got this team of 
made-up Scotsmen and three random <clears throat> Yorkshire folk being told that they're sneaking off one night and then about 50 feet behind, you've got the Sherlock Holmes of reporting and Sheffield Wednesday's captain on foot following them. And in the end, they were able to reveal that Sheffield United had travelled as far as Harlem Cricket Club at the other <laughs> side of the city where they lost 3-1. Ah, it ends. Quite the adventure. It's a lot of intrigue for um, the friendly. Yeah, and it, it's a lot of suspense for ultimately just some lads walking a couple of miles down the road for a match. Yeah, I, I think the sort of beginning promised more than the 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 the, the payoff there, didn't it? Um, I like the, them sneaking up to Scotland. I like the Sherlock Holmes figure; he was good. But then, yeah, they just went another kick about. Oh. <laughs> another fantastic story. <laughs> Trust me, it gets better. But sadly, I don't think within this episode we'll have time to cover any more. Oh, okay. So before we round up with uh, Tom's uh, legendary dad joke. Do we think, Baxter, that football has peaked by this point? No, no. <laughs> I still think we've got other depths to plunge. I love, I love that you're sort of at least giving it a bit of thought already. <laughs> I mean, what's it going to be like when we get to the good stuff? Yeah, that's true. Those are going to be the good episodes, so stick around, folks. Oh, but yeah, so that, we're two stories in, and so far... In the summer of 1889, we can agree that football has not yet peaked. We'll pick this back up at some point. Um, let's hear from Tom. Why didn't the melons get married? Because they cantaloupe. You're about to become a father, Dax. You've got to bone up on this. Oh, yeah, I suppose. As a, as a dad-to-be, have you got any uh, dad jokes? Um, oh, wow, not to put me on the spot or anything. Um, I told my mum I got a new job at a bowling alley. She said, I'll temp in. I said, no permanence. <laughs> Goodbye and good night. Bye. Thanks, guys. Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.